Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another exciting episode of Inspiration Point. I am Andrew. And I'm Adam. And we are here for episode 10, baby. Yeah, episode 10. We're ready to uh, come out of our shells. Yeah. And we'll, to uh, bear ourselves to the world. Oh, you know, it's uh, I'm scared. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry, there are way worse shows out there, I I think. <laughs> I, I I hope. hope. <laughs> I mean, we're, because like, we're trying, and if there really are no worse shows than this, then... Um, there are definitely worse shows than this. I have zero faith in myself anymore. But You know why they're worse, Andrew? Because they got anyone other than us. Correct. Well, I was going to say... I was going to say you specifically. I was going to turn it into a moment, but... Oh. I'll take us. That's fine. That's see, you're a team good. player. See, yeah, I am. <laughs> There's, you know, that that made me remember uh, the other day I was over at Chipotle and I was sitting in the car as I was I was starting the car when I was leaving. I saw it sounds like dude's... a Randy Newman song so far. <laughs> <laughs> Red lady. Reach for an apple. <laughs> Stops. Thinks about it. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> so you're at Chipotle and you're... I'm at Chipotle. I'm sitting in, your in the car, car. About life. About life, as you do. And I look <laughs> and there's this guy who's waiting outside. I think he was like talking on the phone or something, but he's wearing this ball cap. Uh -huh. And I look at it and it's, it says team, but it's like split vertically between the e and the a and it's got these two horizontals kind of boxing it on top and i'm like that's a weird design and then i realized it literally is an i in team it's a huge capital i over the, over the word team i was like oh it's an i in team <laughs> and i had never i had never seen that before I've also seen a design where they had it in block letters, team, and then they highlight the space in the A so that it's like a lowercase I with a dot. Oh. And, and they're like, that's the I in team. It's in the A hole. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. Hey, yeah. we've got bumper sticker jokes. We've got bumper sticker jokes. Pretty good. Pretty good. We're both um, dads. It doesn't get better. <laughs> But it sure could get worse. It could get worse. And how? And that brings us to our next segment. Um, <laughs> so other than going to Chipotle, uh, do anything interesting? Well, today, uh, Nord actually started its most recent Kickstarter. And this is kind of a big new thing that the company is trying to do for the first time. We're going to make our own line of minis. Oh, boy. And so you're going to compete with Hero Forge? Um, no, because they're not they're not like custom uh, minis. Right. It's more like like Reaper and WizKids. Gotcha. And oh, they're going to be made of pewter. Oh, no, no, no. They're they're um, they're plastic uh, for sure. But th that's cool. Well, <laughs> we, well, it's cheaper. We, Let's put it that way. We it don't will... have that kind of dough. <laughs> You don't know us at all if you think we could pull off a bunch of pewter minis. What the heck? And that takes me back. Oh, my goodness. But 
the Kickstarter, it's uh, it's called Ultimate Bestiary Miniatures, but it's based on our book, uh, Ultimate Bestiary Revenge of the Horde, that has a bunch of like expanded options for goblins, orcs, ogres, things like that. So they're not all in this, but uh, I want to say all the goblins, the orcs, and an, a big ogre are uh, are in this, and the minis look really, really cool. Nice. So it's pretty exciting, and even the uh, the biggest pledge level on it, I think, is like 120 bucks, mm. and you get like a big fat pile of minis. Where most of um that I've seen, oh yeah, yeah, I'm looking at the. Well, I, remember, right I remember like D&D would give the um like packs of random minis. Yep. And they were plastic. It was like 10 bucks. You got like what? Five of them. Something like that. Something like that. And then like maybe like one of them was like rare or something. I don't know. It, yeah. It, it, it was like you were opening a pack of cards basically. Yeah. Like a booster. Yeah. Yeah. So that was kind of I interesting. Mean, because if you got duplicates, it's like it, it's not bad because you could always use more like soldiers and stuff. Right. Exactly. Ours, ours, we are definitely not going the the random route. Like you will know what you're buying. Oh, that's nice. Which I think is, you know, that's something that I prefer personally. Yeah, having a, a bunch of different looking units would be cool so that because it'd be easier to keep track of them that way. I, you know, I'm so spoiled on roll 20 now that I yeah. like don't remember when when things were like hard. Oh yeah. And like, like taking little the... pipe cleaners and put putting them around minis to distinguish status status effects. Oh my <laughs> gosh. Yeah. It's like, oh now we can put icons or even if you're shelling out, you can put actual digital effects like right. Sli- sliding or... tokens. <laughs> oh know. my gosh. Like all kinds of stuff. But anyway yeah, we're trying to break into the minis game, and it's pretty exciting. Like, if this goes well, I mean, we're already almost halfway to the goal. The goal's 75k, and we're at almost 32, and we started today. So, and we've got, it's a 30-day campaign, so hopefully we can get way up there, but uh, it'll be it'll be really interesting. So, if anyone's interested... um. You know, by the time this releases, the Kickstarter may even still be going on. So go give it a look. Uh, it's called Ultimate Bestiary Miniatures. So if you want some goblins and careful orcs, with that spelling, yeah, uh, that's all I'm gonna say about that. All right, um, <laughs> cool. How about you? Oh, I shaved my beard again. You did not. Yeah, I did. Off. Uh, yeah, I, I completely. In fact, I, and I got a haircut at the same time. Um, oh. So I freaked me. out on my coworkers. That was fun. Oh my god! Especially did you since keep the, did you keep the mustache? No, I, it's it's all is all gone. It's baby what? boy. Oh my god! Yeah, and then I cut my hair like way, way, way down. And so yeah, I showed up to work. I had my mask on. And I pulled it down. <laughs> People <were> like, Wah! <laughs> oh my that was gosh! Cool. That was fun. Well, you know, I. The last time I had shaved my beard off was uh, about 40 pounds ago. So wow. I was curious as to what I look like. And, and uh, eh, it's better than last time. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely needs a lot of work still, but uh, you know, it's on hey, the way. That's it's progress, man. It's progress. You ever seen Hook? I have seen Hook. 
you know, Hook's a great movie. I but remember that scene when like the kids moving Robin Williams's face around like it's made yeah. out of putty, and that yeah. he's like, "There you are, Peter!" Right? And yeah, that's how they know he's Peter Pan. I was doing that to my own face today because I've like this, <laughs> I've all this like loose skin now, and I'm just oh. like moving my face around. I'm like, "Is this my real face?" This is <laughs> like, weird. <laughs> but don't worry, Andrew, and all of our listeners, because the beard's coming right back, and it shouldn't take long. Good. So I haven't seen my chin since my freshman year of college. <laughs> um, and that was before you freaking knew me. Like, yep, I've never in my in my adult life, I pretty much have never not had a beard. And yeah. uh, it'll uh, it'll stay that way forever. Knock on wood. Well, I could just tell you, COVID did weird things to me and I had to start changing my face i i had to control something <laughs> yeah i i'll tell you what i don't love how a mask dents the hell out of a beard yeah it it doesn't look good afterwards depending on how you wore it it's it's rough um i've gotten really good at like uh blow drying my beard i'll use like a heat protectant and i'll uh i've got like a nice round brush and i'll get it like shaped real nice and then i'll go put a mask on it, it just like punches a huge dent like right across it and it's just no. oh it's it's the freaking worst yeah so. we'll just stop wearing the mask <laughs> you know i hadn't considered that Oh, no, there you go. That's my... Uh, That's outside the box thinking. <laughs> Perhaps even you. outside the purview of the show. Um, Indeed. It's, it's definitely uh, out of the mask thinking. What is in the uh, purview of this show is uh, inspiration points. Oh, and okay. Think, I've got one. I think you get to start this week, dude. Oh, boy. What you got? Well, we've already been kind of demonstrating this a little bit. Oh, hooray. But... I'm going to talk about party talk, yo. Um, party talk. Yeah, it's like girl talk, party. but for nerds. <laughs> so um, one of my favorite games of all time is Dragon Age um, Origins, specifically. I love Dragon it is Age known. Origins. It uh, is known. I think of it as a spiritual successor to Baldur's Gate. I think a lot of people did. Yeah. Yeah, it definitely had that feel, and it never had that same feeling ever again with its sequels. Um, yeah. But it was a real special situation, and I was reminded of it while watching ads for Baldur's Gate 3, mm -hmm. because some of the footage they show, and they don't show much footage, but uh, one of the things they do show is you hanging out in camp and uh, talking to each other. Mm -hmm. And I was like, you know, a lot of RPGs do similar things. Uh, in, in Origins, you talked in the camp. Um, it was always nighttime. You'd walk around the camp. You'd go talk to everybody and see how they're doing. Yep. Do your romance options. Unlock a secret quest. You know? I remember trying to get Sten to say more than like three words to me. And that was <laughs> that was a chore. I wanted to. I wanted to really get that dude to open up. And he does. Oh, my gosh. But he doesn't forever. do it the first time. Yeah. At first, he's like, you're an idiot. And you're like, oh, thank you. Nice to nice talking with you, too, dude. But later on, he's like, you're cool. <laughs> that was back before the Canari had horns, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. I like the look of the Canari when they have horns. But yeah, but they prior to pretty, pretty awesome. And then they kind of try to explain that, oh, hornless Canari, that's like special. And that's like a rare thing mm -hmm. and so they were insane well sten magically has horns in in retrospect they're like no sten's extra awesome that's cool that's what they were doing so 
Um, we'll see how it goes with uh, Dragon Age 4. But be that as it may, um, Mass Effect did the same thing with uh, the Normandy. You could explore the ship and talk to everybody. Mm-hmm. This is something we often neglect to do at the table. And yeah. this is something we need to get a lot better at. And so I've got kind of a list here. Uh, but before I jump into the list, because, I mean, this show could almost be called Inspiration List. Yeah. <laughs> we'll try to get better about that. Well, let me open up with a question. All right. Um, Where is a good place for party members to talk to each other? Are you looking for specific like physical locations or more like situations okay um well we've already mentioned in camp yes but camp's a camp's an easy one also on the road i mean i i know it's kind of a also a situation more than a a specific location yeah the where and when kind of go together yeah taverns for sure you know any kind of leisure setting yeah tavern that's a really good one. i mean that's ideally where everybody goes to talk right yeah they go there to talk and to drink and and the drinking helps loosen you up so that you talk more right and then anytime that you're in dire straits or have just experienced something extreme or maybe i mean i hesitate to use this word but like traumatic oh yeah definitely you know that that whole after you've shared an experience that is extraordinary um is probably another good time well let me ask you a question to follow Mm -hmm. up then do you think our group does this enough no yeah i tend to agree yeah i i tend to agree um i i have a few other points here so where to talk so we said camp Mm -hmm. uh town the road like you said uh tavern was perfect um shopping right sometimes shopping can be a bit of a sink we can use it there yeah specific locations like the temple or a barracks or on the wall right remember all the conversations between Jon snow and everybody else on the wall oh yeah yeah now you know ideally you're, you're just watching a scene about a guy that's you know standing guard and he's just looking out at it whole bunch of nothing right and yet the scene manages to be interesting right yep um another one i wanted to include was combat that's true like there needs to be combat dialogue now one thing this is one thing that really bugs me about my group right and that i want us to work on fixing and do better at and we've we've said it before in game like hey guys let's try to do this better but we still struggle is giving out combat advice in character right like on your turn you say, and because it's free, right? It's like basically a free action. Yep. Hey, so-and-so, you know, take the flank or move here or get to higher ground or, you know, get away from that guy. Right. Leave him to me, right? We, you know, and doing these things in character uh, can be so much more engaging. Right. And this is something that we really struggle with. Um, And when to talk, you, you bring up mostly when you've gone through traumatic, maybe even tragic circumstances. Sure. But definitely very trying. Any kind of impactful situation. I mean, it, it doesn't even necessarily need to be a, a, I guess, negative situation. It could be something really, really good or really cool. Like a celebration. Yeah. You know, any anything that's not just a, a ho-hum, you know, typical situation. But here's another thing I wanted to add. Uh, for, for the place, I wrote anywhere. <laughs> Yeah, I was I was I was almost going to say anywhere 
except combat, but your point about combat makes perfect sense too. So yeah, I mean, could yeah, be anywhere. and to and yeah. to go a little bit deeper with combat, like especially when you're dealing with an important NPC, like a boss or a mini boss, or you know, a very intelligent, powerful creature. Mm-hmm. You know, engaging them verbally is very important. Like you remember watching like the Phantom Menace, and they're fighting Darth Maul. Yeah, like it's cool. Darth Maul does a lot of cool stuff. There's some cool oh, yeah. acrobatics and choreography, but after the a uh, couple of viewings, it actually gets boring. Yeah, it's it's like 10, 15 minutes of jumping around and cool choreography, but you literally could cut 95% of that. You have the start, you have, you know, I guess, spoiler alert, if you somehow are listening to this and haven't ever seen The Phantom Menace, jump ahead maybe a minute, but you then have the part where Qui-Gon dies, and then you have the part where Obi-Wan freaks out, goes after Darth Maul for like two beats, and slices Darth Maul in half. And you could cover all that in under a freaking minute. Yeah, and, you know, there are are some moments where you could stretch it and say, well, they're kind of saying something here. You know, he kind of grimaces and while, while Qui-Gon looks solemn. So we get a sense oh, of, sure. you know, but it it's largely a waste of time. Yeah. You know, there are other scenes like fights between characters that are just as long, but are packed full of meaningful moments and not to toot my own horn, but I thought that went well yesterday. I thought, I I messaged you when yeah. uh, when the fight was going on, yeah, and it was that was possibly one of the best fights I've ever seen you run. Yeah, and I appreciate that um, because it was dialogue heavy. It was character driven, you know. Yeah. Although I will say, you know, the characters didn't wax on <laughs> endlessly. Sure. Like at a certain point, it does become an action. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and you just say your turn's over because you just you know, delivered an essay. Freaking soliloquize for half an hour. <laughs> but, um, I, I, you know, I want, probably want to talk about combat dialogue another time in more detail. But, yeah, there's really never a bad time to talk. And there's there's always good times to talk to each other. Uh, why do you think it is important for party members to talk to each other? Well, that's, that's how you form bonds. Like, it's, Correct. it's the same... <laughs> that's how life is like <laughs> you know if if i met you and we decided to be roommates in college and we moved in together and then we never talked and we just went to class and did our school stuff came home and didn't speak at all like or spoke only about school or projects like how freaking lame would that be yeah, it would have been pretty lame, you know, instead of forging like a really important bond, right? Right. And uh, and I agree, you know, but sometimes we can get, let's say, video gamey about things. Yeah. Yeah, because some of us, when we play Dragon Age, they're like, there's party chat? When? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you're like, well, I guess you skipped that part. Um, And a lot of times you can skip that stuff. Mm-hmm. But let's remember that there are other people at the table. Like, remember that we're, like, speaking to human beings. Right. You know, that was one piece of advice our mutual friend had given me. was like, don't talk to me like I'm a video game character, right? Like, treat each other like people. Right. And I was like, yeah. I mean, that's kind of obvious. But, sure. like, remembering there's somebody else. But I, I think a lot of times we get kind of myopic about 
uh, games, right? And we we tend to only want to think about and talk about our own character. Yeah. And we do forget that there is other people at the table who have put thought into their character that want to express that. Yeah. And now you might think, well, you know, but what do I get out of it? Well, you know, you bring up a great point. Well, I get a bond. Right. You might not think right away that the edgy rogue in the corner is worth talking to but give it some time yeah you know and in our in one of our games you know i'm quite pleased with how this goes sometimes you know our characters would like spar together sometimes Mm -hmm. and we would kind of bond over that i had the bath scene with another character where that was really good we were in like separate tubs and like you know both relaxing and we're just chatting through the curtain and uh that was cool you know like little moments like that are memorable yeah but you know our group from last night we sometimes struggle with this i would say so here's a a question i have okay and maybe this is something that you were coming up on anyway i'm not sure but probably (laughs) why do you think it is that so many uh so many players do struggle with this Mm, even even if they're good about it in real life like i just straight up explained myself like well this is clearly why you'd want to do it but that doesn't mean that i don't struggle with doing this in game you know and why why do you think people do struggle with it well i think a a lot of us are probably a little introverted and we may be a little bit nervous about that we might not know what to say which is going to lead to another point i'm going to make we also might not know if it's an appropriate time right because there are inappropriate times like i i don't want you know i said talk anytime but there are times when it's not appropriate right like if the if one of the other players is having a moment let's say right right like a big character defining moment you know it's not your turn to talk in that case Mm -hmm. right they're they're receiving communion from their god it's a big like character arc resolution hey uh what kind of apples do you like (laughs) yeah probably not the time right right so i think not knowing what to say or whether or not it's an appropriate time sometimes it can be like the dm's trying to move on right and so sometimes we don't always create that moment very well either like like hey we got to go 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 or i want to get to the next part of the quest i want to know what happens so it might be interest in other aspects of the game yeah you know especially if you have limited time yeah you know i don't know what that's like (laughs) so stuff like that can happen but i would say there's always time for a brief interaction right you can always like go in and say hey here's something i want to know and then they tell you and then you kind of respond you let them respond back and maybe you have a final word and you leave right right they they don't have to be these giant set pieces although sometimes it can organically become longer and and that can be okay as long as you're not like just tanking the time for everybody yeah so i guess that's what i would answer yeah i think you know something that i that i run into with it is like you you had mentioned briefly sometimes you don't quite know what to say and for me it can often come down to i might want to talk to the character to the other player's character but i don't necessarily have anything like big or dramatic or super important to talk to them about and i'll often want to just 
have it be something small and casual and like not random but almost inconsequential because i i i think it, it might have even been you when we were in school uh we were talking about writing projects and i think one of our teachers had mentioned that i think in some of the early stuff you had written he was like anytime anyone in your writing talks it's like they have a speech to make or like some big oration or something yeah. like that and for me i always i i find myself wanting to go the opposite direction to because you know people don't talk like that like if you're buddies Sometimes you just do talk about like random weird stuff like, hey, this well, I, just, you know, I'm going to inter interject here and, mm -hmm. and I'm just going to say, yeah, you're right. You know, yeah, you shouldn't come up with your soliloquy ready to go. That's boring. And then right. you're not engaging me. You're just using my time to talk about yourself. Right. Now, what is the one thing that everybody always wants to talk about themselves? Themselves. Right. So if you approach someone in camp, ask them about themselves. Mm -hmm. Tell me about that. So I have got a list here of, I'm calling them, party conversation cards. <laughs> oh. There you go. Maybe Nord ought to release this, right? Like a there deck of conversation cards for party members. Honestly, you know, for NPCs. not the worst idea. We'll talk later. <laughs> there you go. So that's my idea I'm pitching. Um, so here are some ideas. And maybe you can throw in a couple and see what you think. The last fight or quest. Hey, man, that, whew, that was hard. Man, what did you think about that guy? Oh, that ogre. I didn't mm. think we were going to make it. What do you think? Yeah. Or, oh, man, that piece of loot you found. What is that? What is that doing? You know? Gotcha. That's cool. If you catch suspicious dialogue. In fact, I wrote the word, if you see something, say something. Yeah. Right? Like, if yeah. one of your party members says something, like they're dropping a hint, like maybe even make a note of that and so that you can address that later. It sucks when you as a character are trying to drop a hint for someone to engage you and then they don't pick up on it. Mm. Having said that, don't be a high maintenance player and literally just start addressing people if you need them to talk to you. Yeah. Because, um, yeah, we have limited time. We forget what happens between games. Uh, most of us are dudes and are bad at that anyway. <laughs> you know sure and we could definitely improve at it you know but if you do if something stands out as odd you ask them about that later yeah that's what i would recommend yeah uh yeah, if you do spot something just... suspicious you know say something if you see something say something yeah you know same thing for strange circumstances uh my character reaches into their pocket and grabs something they peek at it and they put it away uh what was that about mm. nothing you know sometimes a character may want to be coy or perhaps mm -hmm. brooding but they're also dropping that hint that says i want you to notice this i want you to talk to me right. so they may give you a denial up front and i think in that case they are either saying i will reveal this later as we forge a bond together or you can try a little mm. harder and maybe we can get there you know it's and i would say as a rule like it's okay to be a little broody right we all want to be the anime protagonist sometimes sure but at the same time don't make it like a giant hill for people in your party to climb mm -hmm. where it's like okay in order to interact with me you have to put in all this work and then i'm going to resent you if you don't do it yeah you, you gotta you gotta give a little bit yeah so yeah that makes sense uh other conversation cards um well what are you doing all right <laughs> something really simple like hey what are you what are you doing uh, i'm at the bar oh yeah what are you drinking right even just mundane stuff is great yeah that's the kind of stuff i really like 
where it's not, you know, let's, what's your life ambition? <laughs> what are all your hopes and dreams? More like, like four or five drinks in, God. sure. <laughs> sure. And whether you get an accurate answer at that point is anybody's guess. But, you know, like. By the way, Patreon uh, bonus content. Andrew and I get drunk and do the same show. <laughs> oh, I hate being drunk. <laughs> you do? You don't like it? Oh, okay. Oh, I I get the spin. Oh, no. Well, really you, okay, bad. you don't want to go that far. Jeez. I, well, that's. To me, that's drunk. Okay. Like, otherwise, it's like just buzzed. Okay. Like, you know, buzzed or feeling a little goofy. I'm I'm fine with okay. that. So once you've failed too many con saves, then that's when you're out. Yeah, it's uh, don't drink on an empty stomach, ladies and gentlemen. All right. That's bad mojo. <laughs> uh, but <laughs> that got off topic. Um, I. But yeah, just like little things. Like, I, what are you going to eat? What? Because like. What your character eats and drinks is an expression of them, right? Oh, yeah, man. Freaking Lansvare and bacon. Oh, yeah. You you always bring up he, that you're interested in having bacon. He also likes tea, right? Yeah. And because his, his mom always cooked him these really great breakfasts. I mean, and good meals in general, but that was like always his favorite thing at breakfast. So anytime he has an opportunity for bacon, it's like, oh, yeah, let's get some freaking bacon, baby. <laughs> right. So, I mean, and that could just be a, a cute quirk. Maybe we learn that there's a story yeah. that's attached to that later, like, you know, or we don't. It can just be normal. But, you know, let me ask you this. When when the elven wizard walks into the tavern, what does he order as a drink? What does he get to drink? Wine. Yeah. And when the dwarf uh, fighter walks in, what does he order? Ale or mead. Right. Okay. And when the um, human ranger walks in, what does he get? I'd say beer. Yeah, right. Like, well, ale, beer, yeah. So, but yeah. it's it's kind of funny how right there you just, I mean, is it stereotyping? Perhaps, right? But we when we think of elves, we think of elegant. We think of, of thin, uh, fancy, perhaps. And so we go to wine, yeah. right? When we look at the bigger, stouter characters, we think, oh, the heavier drinks, right? The the, the yeah. beer or the whiskey, perhaps, right? Um, yeah. You know, s- stuff like that. Same thing, what, what do they eat? Well, the wizard, maybe he gets something that's more vegetable-based or, or smaller. Maybe if he eats mm-hmm. meat, perhaps it's fish or fowl. Mm-hmm. That dwarf, man, he's going to have some beef. It's red right? meat. Red meat, yeah. right? The ranger might ask for venison specifically right? yeah you know these are just like little ways to say something about your character and that and that could be fun like when when you have some downtime and you're and you're not playing and actively in a game but you want to think about your character start thinking about like mm-hmm. <laughs> fill out a personality test for them right <laughs> something like that what yeah. kind of food do i like what do i like to do for fun and that's other other things um that you can ask so getting back to the conversation cards like what are you doing why are you doing it like if i catch a player who is like practicing their swordsmanship in the yard hey that's a curious uh method that you're using where'd you learn that why are you doing it like that Mm. or if they're meditating what are you meditating on let them express their characters let them talk and then hopefully they'll reciprocate and they'll they might ask you a question like oh well i'm doing this meditation because i trained at the temple of shazbot you know and we did 
cool mm. guy stuff. Um, you know, you're a pretty good fighter too. Like, uh, where'd you learn how to do that? And you're like, oh, well, my, my daddy taught me, you know, whatever it is. And, and now you guys are mm-hmm. sharing backstory stuff in a way that's a little more organic and, um, and you're forming that bond. Yeah. Yeah. That maybe a character casts a spell and like, you've never seen that before. You have no idea how they did that. How did you do that? Especially mm. if it's like a wild sorcerer, maybe they don't, they're not happy about it. They're like, sometimes when I get angry, this happens, you know, and that could be interesting. I think with that kind of stuff, it's also easy to feel like, you know, oh, my, my character is an adventurer. So this, all this stuff should be common knowledge. To yeah. Them. I don't like that. Like, because like, like God, who's, who, who's never seen a fireball <laughs> when really it's like, if you're starting out at level one and you didn't go to like freaking wizard school <laughs> or something, you probably haven't had cause to see a fireball. So, you know, but it's because we as players have a lot of us, at least have looked through the player's handbook so many times and maybe have been involved in so many games that many of these things for us as players can sometimes feel a little old well, hat. Yeah, and I and I agree. But I would say maybe a good piece of advice would be to pretend like that's not the case, right? Like Sure. Yeah, if, I totally if agree. If somebody with that. casts fireball, just, be amazed, right? Don't say, well, yes, yeah. mechanically, of course you took fireball. It's objectively the best spell in the game. Why wouldn't you take it? <laughs> right. But that can also again get to the stop stop being a video game and like be a character. Right. Right. Uh, other good cards might be things like where'd you grow up? Mm. Hey, what did you think of that bad guy? That guy was a real jerk. Talk yeah. about the antagonist. Right. Maybe talk about other party members. Although be careful if you can have yeah. a positive conversation about one of the other party members and they can hear it. That's nice. Right. Yeah. If uh, you, but don't like backbite. <laughs> like he's oh, sitting yeah. at the table. Like, don't do that. Let's see. Where should we go next? Uh, what should we do next? Hey, where'd you get that? What did mm. you think about what I did back there? Did I do the right thing? Oh, that's that's an interesting yeah. Mor- one. Morally, how do you feel about the decision? You know, um, I went with this because that's what our party leader said, but you know, I don't know. That could be it. That could be kind of mm. interesting. Or the NPC uh, asked us to go on this uh, journey and uh, attack these kobolds, but man, it really looks to me like these kobolds are just farming. Do we really mm. need to do this? I mean, I know he's paying us, but and they're just kobolds. But do kobolds deserve rights? <laughs> like, I don't know. That could be that could yeah. get interesting. Yeah. Or, uh, yeah. I was thinking of the meme. Are we the bad guys? <laughs> Are we the bad? Guys? Are we the bad guys? What do you Water think of um, uh, the NPC? Right. It's always safe to talk behind an NPC's back. That's fine. <laughs> what I mean, really, what do you think about blank? Right. Yeah. Really. It really can be. You can almost. But, you know, by making it more specific, maybe it'll help you have ideas. Yeah. Let's see. Uh, You might ask a question akin to, do you come around here often, right? You can initiate perhaps romantic dialogue. Mm. I couldn't help but notice. I liked it when you did whatever, or when you said mm. this, or when you thought this, or I don't know how you know that they thought it, but maybe they express right. something i think you're cool because you did the following thing like one of the first things one of our fellow players said to my character in one of our campaigns was i think you're amazing mm-hmm. and that was at that bath time scene right like i right. think you're you're amazing and i was like okay well now we have a bond because you think i'm amazing so now i'm determined to think you're amazing right and and it was mm. 
a fun way of reciprocating, right? Hmm. I'm like traveling with you because of the following reasons. So those are just some of the quick hmm. conversation cards. Those are those are all really good. I I like the specifics. They're they give a a really un a nice natural way to engage someone else often in ways that are not too intense where especially if um like even if the player is not necessarily comfortable with a lot of uh heavy rp a lot of these things are not so consequential that you can't kind of make it up on the fly or have you know a small answer to these questions and things like yeah. that you can kind of riff a little mm -hmm. bit so it keeps them from being very you know intimidating or um tough to yeah i mean and, and this was the concern you brought up earlier like what if i don't have anything poignant to say like all right i don't know how to be all eloquent right. like fine then don't nobody wants to talk yeah. to that guy anyway <laughs> yeah so you know that wasn't one of the tips i included but that's a really good one right uh don't try to be shakespeare all the time yeah so a couple tips really quick. We, this is one thing we've said before. Make it about them, not you. I mean, hopefully they reciprocate, mm. but if they don't, just make it about them. Mm. Return interest to the other person. If someone does engage you in conversation and ask you questions, ask them something in return. It's only polite. Mm. Show genuine interest. Don't click on me until I give you the, the romance option. <laughs> like, yeah. Don't just ask me annoying questions just because you're fulfilling some sort of task right right let's see avoid circular arguments you say what you want to say i said what i want to say we leave it at that let's not argue there can mm. be arguments between party members but i would say make a concerted effort to say something new <laughs> yeah that's a hard and one. allow disagreements to sit right sometimes it's okay most characters in films and in books and stuff they don't resolve their argument They're, they really just mm. say what they think and then they move on to the next scene and maybe it comes up again now that the the action has illustrated some point, right? But we we don't just sit there and argue endlessly. That would be boring to watch. Yeah, I think the need for resolution can be a big sticking point that it's really easy to get tripped up on. Like, oh, we hit this bump in the road. We need to resolve this now. When it's like, maybe this is not an issue that can be resolved or even maybe should be resolved people are different yeah and maybe you just go hey they're just different from me and i don't have to make you see things exactly the way i do yeah and you don't have to make me see things exactly the way you do we just have to live and let allow live. the diversity of ideas that's okay yeah. well my character is a paladin and they wouldn't let such a comment go by okay address it and then let it go right you yeah. don't have to turn everything into debate club okay last couple of points and then i'll move on all right we'll, we'll move on to your point some of these we've already said don't backbite you can be moody or coy but there's a limit mm. if you see something say something mm -hmm. a couple of new ones check for understanding if you you know restate what they just said make sure that you understand hey if i understand you right here's what you mean mm. when in doubt ask a question you don't have to know anything just keep asking keep it brief uh, when we're watching TV, you don't want to watch two characters go at it for too long about mundane things, right? Yeah. Keep it brief. Also, remember, there's other people at the table. Okay. Yeah. You want to go really in depth with somebody? Emails might be fun. Yeah. 
And the last thing I'll say is keep it all in character. Do it in character. Yeah. The more you can keep things in character, the better. And the less personal you'll take things. Yeah. Okay, so that's basically it for my inspiration point. Party talk. That was really, really good. And you're right. We we do need to get better at that. I think especially speaking in character. That's just something that comes with practice. Because a lot of us get into usually pretty well-worn habits of like, oh, let me check the rules. I'm going to flip through this part in the book. Oh, it says this on page such and such. And, you know, we've all done it. And it's it's an easy habit to fall into, especially when also combined with being confronted with usually difficult like combat scenarios and stuff where you're like, if we approach this wrong, we're freaking dead and if you have folks in the party who you know maybe they don't pay as much attention or maybe they're newer to the game so they're a bit unfamiliar well, yeah with and i mean we can always forgive the noob but we also need to be an example to them right that yeah like yeah. hey this is how this game is played and we're willing to let things not be combat optimized if it is done in the name of character you know and that's okay because the trade-off is that we spend a, a, a whole time in our virtual war room and we discuss out of game what's going to happen and then we perform the task and then the task ends. So it's like, okay, great. We all lived and we all were victorious and we got our loot. So anyway, this is now World of Warcraft. <laughs> yeah. And you, and, you, and you lost what was really important. Yeah. Okay, so that's my inspiration point. What are you thinking about this week? What is your inspiration point? All right. Well, let me click over here. My inspiration point for this week is tactics. So basically, I want to look at certain things that we can think about to help us play our characters more effectively mm. in general, largely in combat, but yeah. not necessarily. Yeah. So per usual, I've made a big list of stuff to look at here. So we'll just I'll run down them. Yeah, what's what's the roadmap? Go. So first thing I want to look at real quick is the difference between tactics and strategy. Ooh. Because I think those things get mixed up a lot and it's important to define our terms yeah the distinction is interesting especially if you haven't heard it before so tactics are defined as an action or or strategy they wrote in this but that is carefully planned to achieve a specific end where strategy is a plan of action or policy designed to achieve a major or overall aim. Okay, so a tactic so, might fit under the umbrella of strategy. Correct. Okay. Tactics are basically think the the specific thing that you are doing now in the moment or an individual thing where a strategy is the larger overarching plan so like let's say you're playing football and your your strategy is to you know basically get short gains and keep it consistently down the field that might be your strategy but your tactic might be we're playing you know play you know green seven the tactic is the play you choose we're doing this exact run right in these routes yeah hopefully you all know it 
those routes are. Yep. Okay. Awesome. That's exactly correct. Cool. So I tried to come up with some things to to help us be a bit more effective at doing those things. How to, I guess, think tactically, because that isn't necessarily always everyone's strong suit. Some people just don't think that way. And that's not necessarily good or bad. We're all different. And I think it's something that that we can all learn, though. Um, so the first thing I've got on this list is to have a clear, immediate team goal, i.e. what is the main thing that we need to make happen right now? So like, what is our obstacle that we are trying to overcome? Is it an enemy? Is it a puzzle? Is it, you know, whatever? Or is it like, you know, we need to get this person to give us information or we need to get into this place mm. or whatever. What are we facing right now that we need to deal yeah. with? And then right after you determine that, you ask, what can I offer to that goal? So some of the things that I have here and I'll I'll go down the bulleted list and then we can elaborate on some of these. Things. OK, combat related things that can be offered are damage related things, defense related things, crowd control, healing or buffs and debuffs, non-combat things. You've got social stuff. You've got observation and knowledge, stealth, mobility, and then physical things. So most of the stuff that your character will have to offer will fall into one of those categories. So damage, I mean, is pretty clear. If you can offer damage, if that's one of the things you're best at, the goal when damage is the answer is to put threats out of commission as soon as possible right yeah um i if, think a lot of times we've got players that you know your cleric chooses light domain because he wants to cast fireball your right. bard picks uh bard of whispers so that he can do like insane amounts of like he basically can smite <laughs> yeah you've got yeah. um your you know uh, druid that you picked uh no, animal build and it's like okay well we didn't get any cc or or heals so yeah. how you're gonna attack attack this situation is gonna be different right it's like yes. I, I don't want to venture to say that hey you built your team wrong right but since you did right. build your team this way then basically every fight needs to be a dps race right, right. and you need to be really good at picking your targets I will actually get to something related to sure. that in just a little bit. So defense comes down to absorbing elements of a fight that would endanger other assets on the field. This could be damaged status effects or anything else. But the goal, if the main thing you're bringing to the table is defense, your goal is to stop enemy actors from impeding your own team's progress so you are in some way trying to run interference so that the other active members of your team can do their job so that one can be can be as simple or as nuanced as you yourself make yeah it can be as simple as like oh i've got a 
big dude with a shield and I stand in front of the line. Or it could be things like distractions. Or I suppose one you know, could argue that it all really comes down to damage in the end. The, the question is, how is that damage like basically distributed and how what is our what is our strategy for making sure that it is distributed in our favor right so it's like do we need to stall do we need to protect do we need to repair do we need to you know focus like right you know whether or not you're healing you're still thinking about damage right if you're doing cc then someone isn't damaging and they can be ignored in the meantime right so yeah that's kind of uh just something I wanted to add, I guess. Yeah, sure. I mean, yeah, if if you're looking at a combat situation, yes, you know, ultimately you need to take down their hit points. But if your character is not the character who is actually doing something that is primarily intended to take away the hit points, your job is to make it easier for the people who are trying to take down those hit point numbers to be able to do it as effectively as possible. Then you get to crowd control, which is just managing the position or and or agency of participants in an encounter, usually enemies. And your goal is typically buying time, limiting variables, and or maximizing your team's effectiveness. One example of this last night was one of our players used hypnotic pattern ability hypnotic pattern yeah yeah. and shut down probably like 10 combatants on the field well it wasn't 10 but like two of them were very important targets and yeah well i think it was only like five or six but having said that it made all the difference oh like it took it from probably being like a tpk situation or we're not getting out of this without a death to being very to being actually almost easy in the end yeah made a huge so yeah so if what you have to bring to the table is crowd control that's what you're doing you're looking for an opportune moment and placement to use that ability or abilities you have to make the field as advantageous or easy to manage for your team as possible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's also worth noting that this person, you know, was in the right position, saw that the yep. enemies were adequately close enough to each other, um, and was also yeah, aware that they would probably fail a will save. Yeah. Right. Which was or a wisdom save, yeah. I should say. Yeah. So that was really good. Healing. So using resources in order to keep assets active in order to maximize turn economy. Yeah. So an enemy with way more turns than you, i.e. more more enemies on the field, if you treat air quotes, the enemy as one big entity. Mm-hmm. If they have more turns than you, it's more likely to beat you. So do what you can to get the numbers on your side let me add something to that really quick I, i've i've sure. played a bard i've played a life cleric um there are definitely like times where the best thing you can do for your party's hit point management is to kill something uh, death is yeah. the best crowd control in the game it also yep. prevents a lot of damage from coming into your players right so sometimes yep. you know their good healing is knowing when not to do it Yep. but also being aware of what everyone's hit points are, or at least what yeah. their general condition looks like. 
uh, and that someone isn't going down. You don't want to take time to help someone out of death saving throws. You know, you yeah. want to make sure that that doesn't happen in the first place. Buffs for that instance can also prevent what might ultimately be hit point loss as well. So the more that you can prevent that, that should be the priority versus repairing. Well, until you really time, need to. <laughs> if you're looking at rules as written, so long as a character doesn't get once they have hit zero once the damage they've taken takes them to zero. If the remaining damage from the hit is not equal to their maximum hit point value, they are at zero and they're just in a state of dying. So Right, but they're essentially going to lose a turn. And that is something you definitely don't want to have happen, right? Because uh, turn economy and action economy is almost more important than hit points. Sure. Like, because now you have to walk over you have to heal them, then you probably have to... Well, you're going to be healing them anyway. Yeah. Well, it would be better to walk over and heal them instead of walking over, healing them, then on their turn, they stand up, right? Sure. Or someone just hits them again, and now you're just yo-yoing, right? It might be better to get that person out of the scenario, then heal them, so you don't have to waste spells, right? Right. Um. These are these are considerations to make of course within the context of the moment yeah so i'm just, yeah try to keep people on their feet don't just keep them alive yeah there i mean there there are a lot i've i've read a lot of different kind of opposing philosophies on healing in fifth ed there's a very big school of thought that basically is like healing in a fight to keep people topped off and stuff is like the biggest freaking waste ever. Yeah, I, I agree with that when, to an extent. But yeah, I mean. But at the same time, don't wait till they hit zero. Could, yeah. You know, um, maybe look for characters that are bloodied. That might be the best time, right? Like if, if someone's yeah. at about half hit points. When it comes to a barbarian, I might consider topping them off. Oh, because sure. they're going to get a lot. of. You're essentially getting double the value. <laughs> yeah yeah so if what you're bringing to the table is healing keep your team on their feet yeah so that you guys can have turn advantage then you get to buffs and debuffs which is basically using your own resources to make your allies more likely to succeed or be more effective at what they're doing or make your enemies less likely to succeed or be less effective at what they're doing which i mean you know, a lot of this stuff, when you hear it, it's like, oh, you know, that's super obvious. But at the same time, it's important to, you know, look at what things you have available to yourself and go, what do I, what do I do best? Okay, once that's identified, okay, when do I need to really be doing this and bring this to bear? So then you get into non-combat and utility stuff. So like social, using social skills in order to gain an advantage when violence is not optimal for success. Yeah, I think that's important. Yeah, like if you if you have social skills, you, your character, know what you can really do with those and know when to leverage those. If you've got persuasion, know when persuasion makes sense to use and be on the lookout for those situations. If you have intimidate and you can like talk someone down or threaten them 
and get them to not come at your team, you could use those to prevent what would otherwise be a potential TPK situation even. By the way, this is a really good point for DMs as well, because um, some uh, I think a lot of times as DMs, we're thinking combat's going to fill my time. And so we yep. don't like it when players end a fight early through mm-hmm. skill use. But that is the wrong instinct. Uh, you know, allow this to mm-hmm. happen within reason. Uh, most characters, as you point out, in when we talked about the monsters know what they're doing, um, is that mm-hmm. most things top priority is survival. Most yep. intelligent creatures want to live, right? And so they'll they will run away, they will surrender, they will beg, they will do whatever it takes. Yeah, please God, don't kill me. Yeah, and you know, one time I did play this character who was trying to be good and peaceful and about the time an enemy would hit about half hit points or so i would try to call for a surrender i would either intimidate or try to persuade them and say there you please go. lower your weapon i don't want to hurt you any further i don't want to kill you and yeah like but unfortunately the dm point did not it didn't matter who the character was or how intelligent they were yeah they were just like no they fight to the death <sighs> And so then it was just like this whole waste of character potential that was like, it was kind of sad. It it definitely was a letdown. Yeah, it's very, very frustrating. Yeah. It's a cool thing to do, though. And I mean, for anyone listening, it's a neat character concept that you could totally take and, you know, try to use yourself. Yeah, and that's not to say that a, a, a character wouldn't sometimes just say he will not give up under any circumstances and he will fight to the death. Like, there are times that that can definitely be appropriate. Right. But it shouldn't, oh, it sure. shouldn't be every character. Right. That it doesn't make sense. Like if somebody has a chance to live and and they don't have to give up something that's like, you know, it's like, oh, I'll let you live. But your family's going to die like then then you could see like, oh, I can understand why that guy might go down fighting. But if it's like, oh, I just I don't. He doesn't have to die or they're, you know, and they're in a blind rage or their pride simply right. won't allow it. Like they have to die with honor, right. whatever it is, you know, like there can be character motivations for these things. But I think the main important thing is like to remember that they are, in fact, characters and that they do, in fact, have yes. motivations and a very strong motivation is often survival. Yeah, that th- arguably the strongest. Yeah. So. The second one we get to for non-combat and utility stuff is observation and knowledge, which is basically two ways to gain information that can help you make a better decision. And this can be applied to all kinds of stuff. You know, you could get into investigation of of an entire setting or, you know, like uh, in... In Ocean's Eleven, you know, when they're like casing a location and doing all your homework before you go into a situation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or um, the more information you have, the better. <laughs> yeah. Knowledge is power, right? right? Absolutely. That's a problem in, in the game where you and I play together. We often don't do that well. Um, yeah. You know, we might attempt at scouting, but there's often things that we miss. Yeah. And or yeah, we make are. a lot of assumptions based on other games we've played and uh, right. the results are not often in our favor. No, they're they're really not. Although I, I think that we have been getting better. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I largely agree. But uh, yeah, using perception, investigation, doing your homework or rather 
I should say, having your character do their homework, trying to gain knowledge prior to getting into a situation can help immensely. Or on the flip side, using if you have uh, strengths in perception or things that are happening more in the moment, using your senses to figure out, oh, that monster's got a weak point. Or, you know, you see how he's like favoring yeah. his leg. Right. You know, maybe he's a little bit slow. Maybe his dex save is bad or depends on how deep your GM's going with it. But well, and to that end, I would say DMs also make sure there's something to be discovered. Right. Let's also not forget yeah. about the knowledge skills, the poor knowledge skills that just really get underutilized a lot of times, yeah. like having some knowledge about, you know, religion when you're in the enemy temple could be important you know, yeah. uh, when or having knowledge of nature when you're in the forest, it's like, oh, well, your character notices that there's actually a beehive over in the corner. And there you go. if you hit it with something, it would attack whatever's nearby. Right. And that could be really fun. And that's like knowledge. Nature had now had combat potential, there you which go. is really cool. Um, knowledge history like, hey, I happen to know that these buildings are shoddily made. <laughs> you know, there you go shoddy worksmanship yeah so next we've got stealth and this is you know this is one a lot of people are super familiar with but if your strength is in stealth or any kind of like covert abilities your strength is in gaining an advantage without triggering an undesirable situation or to bolster a situation that's already in progress. So you are trying to avoid and to get what you want with as little trouble as possible. So you want to use that optimally before crap hits the fan. Yeah, um, if I could add one more thing here too, yeah. again on the GM side, it's like, Stealth is tricky because it automatically splits your party. And so it is this weird thing where it's a major feature of an entire class. And yet rule number one of GMing is don't split your party. Mm. And so it's this funny thing. So what I would recommend is basically keeping it brief. Don't make them make like 10 different stealth rolls and 10 different perception checks and 10 mm. different acrobatics checks. Like don't turn it into a single player game. Yeah. Also, a failed check doesn't necessarily mean that all the guards notice and then kill you. Right. Mm -hmm. a, a failed check might mean you can't get to that spot and discover that piece of information. You have to retreat because mm -hmm. the guard started to turn and you had to leave. Right. Right. Like a failed check could just mean you don't get the info, not the combat has now begun. Ha ha. I'm smarter than you. Right. So right. that is just a couple of quick points. I know that's a bit of an aside, but it's important to me. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. For sure. So that one, you know, it's it can be self-explanatory, but stealth can be, I think, best used to get what you need before stuff goes down, which kind of works similarly to the observation and knowledge. And I want to roll but, up like a detective character, like a Batman kind of thing where. Yeah, that'd be just cool. like maxed intelligence and they took all the knowledge skills plus investigate like that would just be that'd be kind of fun. But man, with a wrong GM, it would suck. <laughs> yes, it would. So next we've got mobility. This one is pretty easy. I mean, it's just position yourself or position your companions if you've got those kinds of abilities. I know, um, what is it, Battlemaster? 
fighters have maneuvering strike, which lets you basically tell one of your teammates, hey, go, and they can use like half their movement as a reaction and they won't provoke opportunity attacks. Yeah. So you can help your buddies to get into the best positions either to make your fighting more effective or to get people out of danger, which is kind of a nice sort of dual use. You know, this is a thing that was big in fourth edition. Like a lot of classes had the ability that they would like move things around. The warlord specifically had a ton of things, but even things like rogue and fighter had abilities that moved characters around. And that is something that has largely disappeared. And I would like to see some of that come back. It was too much, but you know, it would be nice to see a little bit more of like battlefield tactics in D and D that matter more, you know? Yeah. And that's why a lot of people like to institute like flanking optional rules. And I know people yeah. have very, you know, guarded opinions about that, like, or very, let's say open opinions about that. Right. You know, or about using higher ground or whatever you want. Like, I I always like extra battlefield rules. Yeah, they are fun. Yeah. Especially if you've got a, you know, if if you are, if you're playing theater of the mind, it's way, way harder to use that kind of stuff. Yeah. But if you've got a map, if you've got some way to determine spatial relationships. Yeah. It's freaking great. Yeah, I would just throw in, too, that if you're playing Dungeons and Dragons, you really shouldn't be doing theater of the mind. There are other, I mean, I'm not going to say you can't by any means, but it is definitely not built for it, and there are better systems. Yeah, that's true. Um, So, last thing we get to is physical stuff. So, acrobatics, athletics, things like that, that let you use, use these to interact with the environment or have greater control over your current physical situation. Sometimes it lets you get out of a tight spot, or you can climb, or you can jump, or do all kinds of, yeah, grappling. That's that's my favorite thing. <laughs> I know it is. <laughs> it totally is. My, well, uh, especially my if you can, Goliath character. If you can grapple someone and then do the intimidate or persuasion check, you know, like, oh, yeah, like you're basically holding them down and saying, you know, hey, stop, please. Yeah, yeah I would definitely prefer not to kill you. That might be good. It's a lot of fun. So, I mean, those allow you to just really kind of maximize the environment. So. If you have strengths in that sort of stuff, think about those kinds of things. So those are the different things that you can bring to the table. So once you have looked at your character and noticed like, okay, I can do a bit of this. I can do a bit of that. You need to identify the following. What tasks your teammates are best at? What tasks you are best at? Where does your team find itself lacking? And where does your team find that it has an abundance? Once you can answer those four things, you can then start playing to your strengths because you can go, okay, we are strong at doing these sorts of things, which means it is most advantageous to us to find ourselves in these kinds of situations. If we are lacking in social skills, it's probably not a good idea to get ourselves into negotiation situations because we're probably not going to do very well. But 
if we know we can really kick a lot of butt, it probably behooves us to help things get to a place where it's more physical or vice versa. If somehow you're playing D&D and you don't have anyone in your group who can really handle themselves exceedingly well in a fight, I can't imagine that happening. But <laughs> if that actually did wind up being the case, you would obviously try to avoid combat and try to keep things social because you know, like, that's where we live. And knowing yourself and your teammates' skills and abilities, maybe you know, okay, these three amongst us are great in a fight. These guys over here, these other two, are social experts and are a little bit helpless in a fight. So everybody needs to know what they need to do and where they need to be when certain situations go down. So when you land yourself in a fight, those two who are like, uh, we're a bit vulnerable, they know to step back and the other three know to step forward. They know they have a bit of a tactic to approach combat situations. So you want to lean into your strengths. And, you know, sometimes it's more of a beggars can't be choosers kind of situation where, you know, your GM might just throw you into a crazy situation. You don't have a ton of control over how that goes. Retreating is a good tactic. That's I, I've actually got that on the list too. <laughs> freaking run. If an encounter yeah. seems dire, always consider retreat. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But my character wouldn't. You know what, dude? You're at the table with a bunch of people. Yeah. Like, unless and, and, this is the know, hill you literally want to die on because it is your big character divining moment and you're okay with possible death. But, like, try not to put your companions at needless risk. That's just, that's not being heroic. That's being actually selfish. Right. And, you know, peer pressure is a real thing. <laughs> Come on, man, run away. Everybody's doing it. <laughs> but yeah, sometimes your heroic paladin character should retreat because they are at least compassionate enough that they don't want to see the yeah. wizard die, right? Yeah. And, you know, sometimes discretion's the better part of valor. Right? Yeah. Live to fight another day. You cannot protect the town from the monster if you're dead. Yep. That's correct. So, so <laughs> next thing I've got is just do your job leverage your strengths as much as possible when they can be effective so when and you're a cleric you shouldn't try to do a, a athletics check against the strength-based boss and while someone's down on the ground dying and you could heal them well i mean if that <laughs> athletics check is off the chain then oh, what maybe? if it's not <laughs> oh if it's not then uh and probably don't do that probably don't do that oh that's good advice you know you know it's uh not to call you out, but I know, but also 100% calling you out. <laughs> hey, that was I a head scratcher to it. <laughs> I, I explained it <laughs> anyway. <laughs> next point is exploit enemy weaknesses and avoid enemy strengths. So no enemy is perfect. Use resources and experimentation to find vulnerabilities this is not just stats, it can also be attitudes, like yeah. playing to a monster's greed or pride. If mm -hmm. you note that an enemy is strong at something, 
limit that strength's effectiveness by either giving it fewer targets, yeah. limiting how often it can be used, or avoiding it altogether. Yeah, and changing your character's behavior can be really important. Like, I was running a uh, a boss last night that could have defeated the party, especially in the uh, state that they were in. You know, they were in dire need of a long rest. They had just been through a huge fight. And of course, that was the moment that he decided to enter the fray. Mm-hmm. But because he had attitude problems, <laughs> he ended up fighting quite poorly, right? He ended up making unwise decisions. And by the time he realized what was going on, he was too late right and if your characters are good at pushing the enemy's buttons let them do it you know oh yeah reward your players with attitudes and uh and with you know basically bad guys acting like bad guys you know yeah and show show deep character flaws and how they both symbolically and literally destroy themselves yeah yeah i i got nothing to add to that that's (laughs) that's absolutely right well it's like every disney villain right with the exception of very few like most of them accidentally kill themselves yeah you know yeah like i mean (laughs) with the exception of like drusilla and like maleficent most of them die on accident (laughs) right that's disney yeah let's see next i've got mindful positioning so if you know a monster can attack a big area stay out of it if you know your wizard likes to cast fireball make sure to position so that they can target the enemies without hitting you or other allies although if you want to go man mode and show like awesome team strategy your rogue with evasion and high uh, dexterity goes in and pins someone down so they can't dodge it <laughs> yeah there you go that's like yeah, beast mode right there tank the fireball <laughs> go ahead fire i got this <laughs> that's oh my god yeah mad respect I mean, and <laughs> maybe that's a strategy or rather a tactic that you should discuss beforehand <laughs> but you know no shoot, actually like shoot the it- fire no in character yeah just shoot him just do it no i'll yeah. hit you I, i'll be fine trust me roll one <laughs> damn it <laughs> still a good character most like dude, the more you can make these tactics and strategy like just to combine our two inspiration points like the more you can sure. do this in character the better the drama yeah yeah that's very very true so the other part of uh mindful positioning is if your gm is using the optional rules for like flanking or higher ground or other positional ways you can get advantage use them use them use them use them and yeah and if you don't like the way the flank rules work you know you can alter it a bit if you if you're just like well i don't want, want the conga line of flanking okay it's very simple you can't double flank easy yeah there you go right like you can always alter it but just make sure you're not that you're altering it before combat starts so you're not just screwing over players right right and then uh using cover oh yeah if you've got half cover it's plus two three quarter it's plus five and if you've got total cover you just straight up can't be targeted i mean that's like (laughs) no the arrow goes down the hallway takes a left (laughs) right looks both ways and then the Patriot arrow from Robin Hood men in tights <laughs> right. that like does a whole lap around the arena. Oh my gosh. That thing was terrific. Classic. Classic. Next is end combat quickly to do this. Eliminate threats in the following order. Healers, 
then casters, then ranged attackers, then melee combatants. Uh, Do that. Generally. Yeah, probably in most situations. I the the first two I mean, are there probably are always exceptions. Yeah. I sometimes you want to get I mean it depends on the mage, right? And yeah. Cuz you know if they have major I mean, they, CC, I think that's a bigger priority. Sure. Because the healer I mean, is going to have nothing on... to do if the problem isn't damage. <laughs> yeah, that's true. When we were in school, I remember there was always this uh, phrase that would get thrown around that was basically, casters die first. Yeah, like, well, you attack that, the clothies, right? Yeah, because they're, they're going to blow you up, or they're going to negate all the damage you're doing by healing. Because they're... I also have not run into too many combats where there are lots of casters. Usually it's if and if there are multiple, it's only a couple. More often it's only one. And you've got a guy who's throwing damage and maybe also healing mm-hmm. or something like that. Um, but basically, if you've got an enemy who can keep the other enemies up, that is going to draw out the fight. And therefore give themselves more chances to take you down so the fewer opportunities you can give the enemy to do their thing the better yeah like like you might even prioritize your cc on certain targets even if you're like you know tanking damage from a melee a you know fighter or whatever um because like okay if the whole party just attacks the clothy then he's just gonna d-door out of there right right so it, sometimes it's good to split some of your attention, though damage should typically always be focused. And that's actually my next point. Focus fire. <laughs> focus fire. If you don't know what that is, where, basically. What are you doing? And, <laughs> yeah. Like. How did you even find this show? <laughs> yeah. But, you know, if there's that one person who's listening to this who doesn't know this, going to change your life. In <laughs> fifth ed. An enemy who's at one HP can hit you just as hard yeah. as an enemy at full HP. So yeah. if you don't want them doing stuff, you got to take them down. So everybody needs to freaking converge yeah. and sack that dude as fast as you can. Yes, because, yeah, you not only, you know, brought someone to zero hit points, but that person is no longer taking a turn. That Correct. person is no longer casting spells or doing damage. Right. So again, we we say death is the best CC. Yep. Yep. So there's that. I've I've only got a few more plan ahead. So when you and this is you individually, when you take an action, the enemy will likely do something in response to that. So factor that thought into your thinking. So if I do blank, the enemy will probably do blank. What will we do if that happens? So try to have an answer in your head. And if the answer puts your team in a worse position, avoid it unless it's still your best shot. You know when is a really good time to think about this kind of thing? When it's someone else's turn. Correct. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Because, like, when it's other people's turn, that is not the best time to check Facebook that and stop doing that. The <laughs> the best time when someone else is taking their turn, think about what you should be doing. Right. So that's another one of those feels like it's obvious kind of things. But, you know, also, even if you are paying attention and, you know, doing what you're supposed to be doing, sometimes there's 
there can be a lot of stuff going on. And especially if you're trying to stay engaged with what the other players are doing, maybe they're doing some really cool, interesting things and you're paying attention to that. And you're not really thinking about, oh, what am I going to do on my turn that's coming up? That's understandable. But ideally, you want to try to be thinking about this stuff. At least think of one or two initiative positions ahead of you, right? Yeah. Like, yeah, you need to jump up and go to the bathroom by all means, man. Like, right after your turn is a good time to do that. Yeah. As long as, like, the person who's about to hit you isn't next, you know? But, like... For the most part, do try to pay attention to combat and be present in the game. Yeah, 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 absolutely. And then we had Runaway, if stuff looks bad. Yep. Use special actions. So if you are in a tricky situation, know what other kind of non-standard stuff you can do. You can use your action to disengage. So if you're surrounded, you don't have to sit there and stick it out and let yourself get mobbed. You can use your action to take the disengage action. All that means is when you move out of the threatened area of those enemies, they won't get opportunity attacks against you, which lets you get out of there safely. You won't get to attack, but you're not going to get mobbed, and it lets you get to a position where maybe you and your team can regroup or you guys can handle things in a better way. Maybe it lets you retreat to a choke point where that big mob has to get squished down to maybe one or two guys wide and you can handle it way better. That can be a game swinging move. So disengage is really good. You could also use shove, which lets you basically just knock a dude prone. And if you've got melee fighters nearby, or if you are a melee fighter and you've got some strength to play with, you knock that dude prone. And then once he's prone, wallop him. Or if there's a pit of lava nearby, like that's going to take away hit points a lot faster than you punching them. Oh, you bet. I have, I've thrown monsters off many a cliff and it never gets old no that will never it never will you know it's fun in video games too yeah it's oh man so and there are lots of actions like that in 5e so go look them up disengage and shove are just a couple of them and there's a bunch more and then the last one i have is don't mess up ongoing ally spells but do mess up ongoing enemy spells Yeah. So like that hypnotic pattern in the spell, it says if anyone that's hypnotized takes damage, they snap out of it. So don't attack. We've definitely had players in the past who were not paying attention to turns. Oh, my. Show up. They do the same thing they always do. And then it breaks the crowd control and the whole table is mad. It's it's very obnoxious when that happens. Oh, my goodness. Please don't be that guy. For the love of God, don't be that guy. And the guy that is that guy, please stop being that guy. (laughs) Please stop being that guy. And largely from the experience I've had, it most often comes down to simply not paying attention. Correct. Yeah. When you're when you're Facebooking between turns. Right. That's that's usually when trouble starts. Like, by the way, this is a pet peeve I have. When you when you're in line for like a drive through, know what you're going to order before you get to the window, please. Right. Like, (laughs) don't start reading the menu when it's your turn. Like, 
please read in the line. Please, 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 please. But it's the same yeah. thing in D&D combat, right? Don't be like, oh, it's my turn? <sighs> okay, what's going on here? Who? How many hit points do you have? Um, Pay attention! Where is this guy? Is he, what's his deal? Is he flanking? Like, what? Is he stunned? Like, I don't want to even answer your questions. I'm just going to say, I don't know, man. Take your turn. Yep. Yeah. So, yeah, because that's not okay. But if you, you know, if you come back and say, oh, dude, I'm sorry. My, you know, my kid broke something. I had to go check it out. Can you? Okay, fine. <laughs> yeah. I'll work with you. You know, we're not monsters. Yeah. So don't mess up ongoing ally spell effect. But on the flip side, do mess up ongoing enemy spells. If the enemy has things going on that you can interfere with, or if there's a caster who is using a concentration spell, smack them around. Concentration spells are no joke. And if you can interfere with them and break that concentration, yeah. that can shut down a spell that might otherwise wreck everything. Yeah. Okay. That's, well, that's a pretty good yeah. list of uh, strategies and tactics. Yeah, that's uh, that's all my stuff. I mean, do you have any that you think I I didn't cover? Well, I mean, we could spend forever talking about tactics, especially, you know, like, hey, here are some cool sure. plays to run. I do think we did end up <laughs> probably talking more about strategy overall, but that's OK. I do plan on doing a Sun Tzu uh, episode one of these days uh, talking about the art of war. Cool. And then we can kind of get into some of the nitty gritty here. But I thought that was really good stuff. For the, for the most part. Awesome. Good. I'm glad. Real quick, a couple of games that I would recommend to build up the tactics muscle. Ooh. One of them is mentioned in the Monsters Know What They're Doing, which is XCOM. Oh, yeah. That game is brutal if you are lazy and don't pay attention or are just very unlucky. Yeah. Like XCOM will definitely make you flex that muscle. Mm. I also recommend Divinity Original Sin. Oh, yeah. Although there are some issues with the way the armor mechanic works that are rather original sin two. Yeah. Right? Original sin two. I didn't play the first one, so I can't comment on it. I didn't either. Also dragon age origins was amazing for, for uh battlefield tactics. It mm -hmm. was really well done. But one thing about original sin two that was great was how the game used things like higher ground and elevation. Oh yeah. Line of sight, that kind of thing. They also had a ton of really cool, uh, like environmental and, elemental interactions yeah and most of the time games don't use wet as a um status effect but this oh yeah you know, it mattered like if your character was covered in blood or oil or water could really change like how things were gonna go oh yeah you smack that sucker with a lightning bolt if they're soaked and it's like so good so you know and these so are games good. that focus on small units like you know two to four characters on a side um yeah. Baldur's gate the original games had like six member parties um i think the new one's only gonna have four in your party that's not too surprising no i mean it's a lot more graphics that are going into these things right you you, you oh, do want yeah. your game to load <laughs> yeah that that's you do want. and as that. i understand the rounds are already taking a while to get through and that's one of the delays as they're trying to streamline that more mm. like because combat in DD, as you may have noticed takes a while it takes a little while but anyway just to... that's that's a bit surprising considering that you know one of the things that we've mentioned here is like one of the things that makes combat 
take a while is that you as a human being are handling a lot of this processing yeah. and you know doing the math and all this stuff so they are making a 5e video game which is using a computer that ostensibly yeah. should be doing that math and it's still taking a while that's interesting i wonder if it if it's tied up in their die roll mechanic how it like shows up and rolls and you wait for that yeah i don't know if it is or not i don't know exactly how that's going down but at least that's what i hear in the rumor mill is that combat is a bit slow so Mm. hopefully that will not be the case by the time it releases so do you think you're gonna are you gonna play early access or you oh yeah if i can i totally want to get in on that i don't care how rough it is yeah i do want to do my part to help them you're gonna do all the bug reporting and stuff yeah well apparently you don't even have to do any like because their system is, is streamlined enough that it, they're just collecting mass data and so oh interesting you don't have to do like hardly anything other than play it mm. one of the things that they were going to test for which is really interesting is just how many players go to what zones and hmm. like if no one discovers a secret then maybe they need to add a clue right or make it a little oh, less that's obscure really cool yeah I, that was something they mentioned in the panel was that you know that is something they had done for divinity and they were like nobody went over and looked at this box and we were like okay we need to figure out a way that people look at this box right? <laughs> whole little attention yeah. yeah that's a great idea god play testing is so that's yeah, interesting so good yeah very very well i think that does it for my inspiration point yeah yeah that was that was really great. Thanks for hashing that out with me. Yeah, it was good stuff. So, you know, I think uh, just a quick recap, you know, talk to your party members, uh, stay in character, think about what you need to do on your turn, right? Or on yeah. other people's turns, what you're going to do on your turn. Communicate in character, both tactically and socially. Yeah. You know, and, you know, I guess one last thing I'll just throw into that is we all want to do the big cool thing in the yeah. combat. We want our big hero moment. We all want to score the touchdown. Right. But at the yeah. end of the day, like you do need to think about other people that are at that table. And just like you're the only one, you're not the only one that gets to give monologues and you're not the only one who is important to their character. Right. It's the same thing in combat. Like you're not the only one there. You're not going to win the game by yourself. Yeah. And Definitely play to your party strength, not just yours. Yeah, yeah. Agreed. Agreed. Well, I think that does it. Yeah, I think episode. so. Just real quick, our website is inspirationpoint.buzzsprout.com if you want to find us that way. Or on Facebook, you can search for at Inspiration Point Podcast, no spaces. Or on Twitter, you can look for uh, at IP rpg cast and you'll find us that way thanks everybody for hanging out and until next time stay inspired bye bye